0: song we all know and love. Blau und Weiß sein Leben lang. Hallo meine Lieben, wie geht's? Willkommen zum das Einziger Schalke Podcast auf Englisch. That's right folks, officially the world's only English Schalke Podcast. I'm your host, Richard Carman. We have a very special podcast today as we go a little deeper more into Schalke and the Bundesliga. As always, joining me on the show is co-host Jack Mangan. How are we doing, Jack? I'm
1: doing well. A little bit snowed in at the moment. Uh, the Midwest is getting pretty... Uh,
0: yeah, you get, like pretty heavy snow, snow? three
1: feet of snow. Yeah, it's pretty crazy, and it just kind of seems to uh, keep going. Every time I shovel it away, there's another batch real <laughs> soon. But <laughs> uh, safely warm inside at the moment, ready to talk some shiaka. Yeah,
0: hey, you need to get a, you need to invest in a snowblower there. I do, I do. Oh well you're better than me. I got a little shovel and doesn't do me well. But I don't get twenty one inches either, so (laughs) (laughs) Well, I mentioned this is a special episode and to help Jack and I out on this one is someone we know very well from the English language talking football podcast. He's also an editor for Bundesliga Fanatic. He writes for ESDF analysis, covers the bully, EPL, Champions League, and occasionally La Liga. He writes, talks, and reads football in English, Hungarian, and German. He also wrote, wrote a fantastic piece for ESDF Analysis, where he breaks down Schalke vs. Bremen, uh, the match from last week. Please welcome to the show Abel Matzaros. Welcome, Abel. <laughs> Hi,
2: thanks for having me on. Uh... Yeah,
1: no, yeah. It's uh, an we're... absolute pleasure.
0: How's, uh, you're in New Jersey, right?
2: Um, I actually, I actually, am not in New Jersey. I'm I'm in Budapest, Hungary. Um, oh wow! These, it's la- last uh, few months now, but I, you know, go back and forth. So uh, as far as the weather, we we don't don't have uh, snow at the moment, but it's but it's pretty cold. <laughs> N-
1: New Jersey, Budapest, same thing, right?
2: Yeah, a, <laughs> yeah. same latitude. Well, more same or less, thing. yeah. <laughs>
0: Very good. So as we mentioned uh, going into this one, Abel wrote a great piece on uh, the match against Schalke and Bremen where he broke down everything in the, in the matchup. Uh, <laughs> it, was, it was actually a, a great, great to read. Um, you know, we, we as Schalke fans, we, 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 we see what we, you know, we're watching the game, we, we take our bits from it, but I mean, you broke this down and, and uh, got really deep into it. So uh, what inspired you to, get, to write about that match in particular?
2: Um, basically, because it was part of the conference lineup in, in Germany, which means that you know it's it's the one that you don't really get to see because you usually have like I mean I'm sure it's the same in uh, in the U.S. when I when I watch it's like you got a featured game and I think uh, at that time they they featured the the Bayern Mainz game for for some for some reason um, and so so you know I didn't get a chance to to watch it live but then you know I'd have it on my laptop and in the background and then it, it it would be switching to to that every every few. Few minutes and then um, so I you know I can go back and, and look at games now and, and uh, this was like not only was it one of the more dramatic games uh, just because of the ending but it also to me was one of the more interesting games because of the way Schalke and, and Werder played um, so so that that really was the inspiration behind it and I usually like this is kind of the inspiration for my writing is is when um, I don't see something or when, when I miss something and then I have questions about it. And I usually like to kind of do my own research and then figure out some of those questions and work through the issues as, as, I, as, I, as I break it down, as I analyze it.
0: All right, very good. Um, so, you know, before we get into deep into the matchup, you know, uh, Max Meyer, he's gotten to a new position this season. Uh, he's playing a very deep defensive midfielder role. Um, how has this, you know, um, changed him and changed Shaka, made them more formidable against uh, their opponents?
2: Yeah, right. I mean, so this is, I think, like the herto match. I think was when they first after the herto match in, in October, when when um, Tedesco decided to kind of implement so sort of phase two of his, you know, take over the world philosophy, which is, which is basically to have a have a possession uh, approach to what's already a really good pressing um, counter attacking side. So so Meyer, you know moving having moved there is, is the key to that um and i think there were some adjustments later on in december but i think it caught the bundesliga by by surprise uh very much so so Meyer is deep lying playmaker, here that uh you know there, there's a few in the bundesliga but uh, you know julian weigel probably used to be the best ones now now he's yeah. uh, sort of been destroyed by <laughs> bush and steger but that's a that's another topic um i know we're not supposed to talk about Dorman here but uh yeah so um the interesting thing that the league has caught up to it. And, and I saw that in the Leipzig game. Um, I, I think I tweeted it out at the time where um, it was uh there's five guys that are paying attention to Meyer, you know, and, and they're basically trapping him. And and what that does is that you know he he's never allowed to turn with the ball. It's uh, most of his passes have to go backwards. Right. And you know, it's it's not like it's not like a so so you know, Schalke are are not like that heavy possession team. I mean, I think Meyer only averages about fifty passes a game, which isn't you know compared to somebody like Weigel who would be in the high eighties. Um, and so so what the what the way they've uh, Seems like uh, Leipzig counteracted that, and I think what was surprising in this game is that even Bremen uh, uh, used this, where they would have a, a, a sort of the center forward would shadow Weigel and would be dropping really deep. So Max Kruse was was the one who was tasked with this one, and he did a pretty nice job of uh, of just you know kind of uh, putting either uh, Meyer putting him in his cover shadow, meaning that you can't you know he, he would be between the center back of the goalkeeper and and Meyer, so, so there wouldn't be a way to pass him the ball. But even also the the other um, the other forwards and even the two uh, inside midfielders uh, would would be would be cl- uh, closing in on Meyer. So so basically, um, I think uh, Meyer was forced to pass the ball back, and Schalke just didn't have that build up. And basically, what it resulted in is that um, Naldo. Was forced to play a lot of passes, and I and I think I counted that it was like twenty-two or or, or thirty-five in the first twenty-two minutes, or some some ridiculous yeah, amount. Yeah, it's crazy, and that's probably not what you want as Naldo. I mean, I guess that's you guys. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Definitely. So, I mean, here's my question. So, as you said, Leipzig seemed like they almost kind of made it uh, their the, the cornerstone of their defensive philosophy in that game to put you know four or five guys around him at all times and just deny ball constantly. And then you know, as you said, Verder had Cruza and and others shadowing him, uh, you know, for large stretches of the match. Um. How how does Schalke counteract that or what should they be looking to do in those situations? Because, um, you know, just as Schalke kind of caught the rest of the Bundesliga off guard with this change, it seems as though some teams are now catching Schalke off guard with how they're um, going about trying to counteract it. So when they get in that kind of situation, how does Schalke um, Mm -hmm. find a way to to get around that and still maintain kind of, you know, not have their their offensive flow get disrupted too much?
2: Yeah, I mean, so it's very personnel dependent. I mean, uh, Nabil Bentaleb was, was one who wasn't really capable of that. I mean, he was really frustrating to me in, in the Bremen match where he, you know, he's a lot of, he's, he's like one of those guys that really looks good because he scores like a screamer or, or like a penalty. And they're like, oh, he had a good game. But then like, yeah. and he's got like good pass completions, but like he just doesn't do anything ambitious and doesn't ever really improve ball circulation or any of the playmaking. Um, so I wouldn't really play him too We run. call
1: that, uh, Richard and I call that Kevin Prince-Botank syndrome.
2: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Although, I mean, Botank has had a nice season for, 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 he, yeah, for I. For, for Frankfurt. yeah. But maybe
1: back in his Schalke days, right? Yeah, yeah. Where he would just kind of like uh, take long shots. Uh,
2: I understand. Yeah. Um, no, and I think like another one is to have uh, center backs who can, who can have a ball playing ability. Um, I think Stambouli is probably the best one at that for, for Schalke. And, he didn't have a couple of good games before that, so he was kind of out of favor and really um, didn't come back in until uh, this weekend's game against uh, Bayern. And you, you saw some of his playmaking there. Um, he's really good with uh, long long passes. And I think I actually saw this. Um, there's the, um, the pecking stat, which which measures how many um, opponent players you take out. So this is like the one that's like Matskumos is, is the greatest stat. And Lee was like in the top three or top five um really? so so yeah yeah so i was really surprised i i when I, I wrote about this um i think it was during the the winter break and this was i saw this somewhere it's like these are not very publicly available stats but i but i saw that somewhere so I, i've i've kind of um you know had to go back and watch a lot of belief film and, and this is something that he's really he's really good at now he comes with his limitations in terms of you know kind of silly fouls and whatever but but i think he should he should be playing a lot more because you know Naldo is great for a lot of things, but ball playing and and passing is not really his forte. And and I think Kehler is similar in that extent that he's not really a great playmaker either. So I think that would be one thing is to have Stambouli as a ball playing center back or to have another um, sort of number eight or a ball carrying midfielder or somebody who can drop in. So I think, uh, you know, Goretzka obviously would be be better at this, but he's better at carrying than, than sort of playing at the back. Um, I know they tried Harit, uh, you know there. Uh, there, I think ship was was switched to that one in, in the Bayern game. Sort of, uh, I think when Harit came on. So there's there's. I don't think there's like a, a, a um, an easy solution. Otherwise, I think Tedesco would have would have would have done it, or he would have found it.
1: Yeah, that's really interesting that you bring up, you know, the Stambouli carer thing, because that's a conversation that Richard and I have been having, I think, all season, in the sense that. Um you know, uh, one of them will play a game and you'll be frustrated with them. And then they, you know, they rotate the other one of those two in and then you're frustrated with them as well, right? Because, you know, Stambouli used to be in sort of more of a midfield role last season. So he has some of those ball skills like that you mentioned that a lot of center backs maybe don't Um, and that he can definitely contribute in that way when he's in there. But then he tends to make a lot of um bad decisions in and around the box defensively and maybe doesn't have the recovery speed of somebody like Kerr. So it's really kind of a catch 22 for us this season. Um, And like you said, maybe it kind of depends on um, you know, here we have to get lucky with uh, how the defense is approaching us, and then, who, you know, if, if they're going to be doing that pressing on Meyer, maybe we want Stambouli in there. But it's really just kind of a matter of uh, predicting that to some extent.
2: Yeah, and it's it's like this is a this is a, a thing that other Bundesliga teams have struggled with. I mean, you know, um, Dorman and Tuchel, they when they figured this out that you could do this to Weigel, really struggled, and you know, the, unfortunately, very very few uh, Bundesliga teams have like a lot of playmaking in in the back i mean you know to to the extent that there are ball playing center backs i mean either they're all on Bayern or they have like <laughs> they are now really, yeah i mean or they have like really severe limitations um other, elsewhere um and there's even very very in terms, in terms of the these the the playmaking deep lying playmakers sixes uh, there's very few of them. I mean, there's a there's a lot, there's a lot of talk in the tactics community about that. That you know, I think Tobias Escher, who who is uh, probably one of the the best tactical analysts in Germany, he wrote a, an article. I think it was in November, which which was asked like, where did all the number sixes go? And and then really, if you if you look around the league, there there are so few of them that, that can really um playmake from 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 the back uh, uh, while also having defensive ability is defensive stability um and that's just you know it's it's an interesting question why that is but but there doesn't seem to be too too many of them it's a lot of sort of you know this kind of like max meyer is an emergency solution or you know, there's a lot of a lot of those guys like dennis geiger and hoffenheim is a guy who was right. playing in the Regionalliga liga like you know half a year ago so um and then you got like again the same thing like sebastian rudy is great at this but then like he's rotting away on, on the bayern bench you know so <laughs>
0: No, not that, yes. that, absolutely. That's a great example. Um, so you know, in this Bremen match, you know, Shaka got lucky with the first goal. Uh, Pavlenka really muffed it up with the with the with the, the shot. Let it, somehow, Konoplyanka's shot went in, um, and so Shako were in a good position at that point. But what did you think uh, led or why was Bremen able to be so successful at Gers- Gelsenkirchen? Uh, despite you know you were you mentioned a little bit Max Meyer, but I'm sure there's more to that than just than than you know guarding him and making sure uh, he couldn't pass the ball around.
2: Yeah, I think the other thing is, like, they actually had a good possession game. I was surprised by, by Bremen's attacking, um, the way they attack with, with the 4-3-3. And they are able to, like, get Belfodil involved. And, and he was causing some trouble. I think Inga completed, like, all five of his dribbles, which is, like, like Belfodil is kind of a guy that Bremen fans make fun of a lot. Um, you know, uh, the, the, the sort of, uh, Scandinavian build-up the uh, Samoisanders so finish is, is probably their best playing ball, ball playing center back was, was really good. Delaney, the Danish guy who played, um, as a sort of a deep lying playmaker where he's usually, he's usually more of a box to box guy. And yeah. then Augustinsson. Um, all these guys are left-footed, and, and, and they really um, did, a, did a nice job of, of build-up and ball circulation and and were able to control a lot of the, the tempo. But, um, you know, I think uh, the other thing is that I mentioned Ben substitution, and, and he was replaced by, by, by Goretzka, and that added uh, a lot of dynamism to, to Schalke. and added a, a lot of, you know... Um, forward runs and and uh, Schalke went on this crazy run after the break and again yeah. put up like nine shots and really should have scored like I don't know how many goals, but uh, there was one that DeSanto, you know, he hit like the corner flag or something. And then uh, I think Goretzka had a couple. I think Burks, I think know, Berks- maybe had another one. I, yeah, I, yeah. I it was like offside, out. but yeah, it was good. Yeah. So really to me, the turning point was like Bremen had this two minute possession spell right after like the hour mark um where you know those two guys that i mentioned moissa delaney and um and Agustinson was uh w- were really kind of slowed the game down and and um they 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 took over the possession and uh, yeah, i mentioned in a piece that they, they actually led the whole match today with with 36 minutes uh and that's yeah you know, it's probably not something that tedesco would be would be would be really happy with and you know i think uh the pressing um, got a little less intense for Schalke, and, and I think give Bremen credit, they they, they did a good job of, of of playing around it, and especially with those guys, all of those three have really good pressing resistance, and you know with with the three uh, forwards, like they were, you could they could always just play the long ball to to Belfodil or Kruse. Um so and then I think when once Aaron Aaron Johansson came in, he was he was a key figure. Yeah, That's a yeah, surprising was. figure because he was like I don't know, he was buried somewhere, or I haven't seen him in like a year or two. Um, so suddenly he's a key key figure, and I think uh, a little bit was the other thing is that Schalke punched themselves out while they were going for that second the second win and uh, second goal, and you know they, they had a couple of other chances later on. I think Piazza had had a, had a really nice one that, that he and Buxtal had another one. So um, and then it just you know it seems to be like the 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 rule in the, the law in football is that you you don't take the chances and it comes back exactly. at the other end
0: exactly, and yeah. that's what happened. I was going to ask you if you know what you thought was a momentum swing. It was either, for me, you know, it could have been the Nastasic uh, double yellow that he was voted yeah, for, for sure. but you brought up some great points of why, you know, uh Bremen were able to take control of the momentum after after Schalke were up one nothing. Yeah, and and I'm,
2: I was, oops, sorry, go ahead. I I was saying it's definitely the 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 second yellow for me because um, I mean Nastasic's that, first yellow was was kind of dumb to give away and then this one wasn't great either, although they were both necessary to to, to, to kind of stop. Um, pretty uh, promising attacks. But I think after that, uh, what would really um, surprise me. I don't know if I actually put this in the piece, but but uh, Schalke. Yeah, I actually, did, did put this in the piece that Schalke still played like a four-two-three. Like it's uh, you know, it, it baffled me that you know, like you just lost the center back, and then you you have kind of a chip count on an island, and Naldo never really shifted shifted over. Like he was still playing basically um, dead center. And they had, you know, Arit um, and Piazza and I think it was Bergstad all playing up top. And so they were really conceding a lot of space. And um, I think that that gave Bremen a ton of opportunity. And, and obviously, it's super unfortunate that you basically gave away not only the, the free kick, the, the red card, but then, you know, Fairman concedes, uh, you know, in that fashion.
1: Yeah, it was very symmetrical in the sense that the, you know, the first two goals of this game were almost identical from opposite ends of the pitch, right, with yeah. Pavlenka dropping that and then Fairman doing the exact same thing almost. Um, I mean, so we, we talk about that spell that Schalke had um, you know, to start off the second half and being unable to take advantage of it. This is something that Richard and I have been talking about a lot this season in the sense, um, and you mentioned in the piece too, that uh, the, the percentage of set-piece goals and goals from dead ball situations is, is I think, making up a much larger percentage of their overall goal scoring than maybe would be ideal uh why do you think Schalke's had such a difficult time breaking down teams from open play and then uh alongside with that do you feel that we have the attacking pieces maybe at least up top um that we need or I mean do you think we need to bring other people in uh we made a couple moves in the winter window like how do you uh view Schalke in terms of their prospects going forward in that way
2: yeah, I actually I really like the the, the winner moves with with Toichert and and uh, Piazza as, as well. I think you 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 know I think the what's What's overlooked in Schalke is, is that they, they have a, a pretty thin squad. I actually actually kind of read somewhere, I think it was in Kicker, that they they've used like 22 players, which which is very, very low. Um, there's a bunch, there's a couple teams like Freiburg, I think actually used like 30. So um Teresco doesn't have that much to to work with uh, in terms of in terms of the guys that are um, that are out there. And in terms of creating from open play, like you know, I, I mentioned the, the 17 goals versus the 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 16 from from set pieces, and and nine of those actually come from counters. So so in terms of what, what's defined as the positional attacks. You know, which is when you're just sort of building up or whatever. There's only eight goals by by Schalke, so th- that's basically you know at the lowest is is I think uh, this is before this match day is before so this is a match day 21. So there's a uh, five by Cohn, and you know there's a bunch of teams with like five, six, seven, eight, and that's where Schalke are. And then you've got like you know Dortmund is 26, Leverkusen is 22, and Bayern have like 30. So um, you're definitely you know definitely um, sacrificing there and. You know, a part of it is you don't, you know, there's not a lot of really good um, build-up players out of the back. I, I, we've talked about the center backs. Um, there's, there's really Meyer, but, you know, Meyer um – He's good at sort of progressing the ball, but he doesn't have any key passes to, to really speak up. I think it's like less than 0.5. And um, then you've got a lot of players who are counter-attacking players. You know, I think Arit falls into that. I think Goretzka's greatest strength um, is that obviously Konopianka is, is really good at that. I think Kali Juri, um, I think all the other ones, I mean, even Burksteller um, and, and DeSanto, I mean, none of these guys are really good buildup players. They're 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 mostly are good at you know pressing and transitions. But but not not sort of in build-up play, and you know, I think that's fine in year one of Tedesco. I mean, um, for him to even have sort of a possession game, I think I think that's that's actually really cool. But um, you know, where do you find those players? I mean, it, it's tough to say because because you know a lot of Bundesliga teams don't have these kind of players. I mean, there's very very few teams that that have you know build-up players. Uh, that, like and I mentioned, you know that 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 the, the other teams struggle in positional attacks as well. So it's not just something limited to Schalke.
1: Yeah. And I'll let Richard, I'll let you jump back in a second. But that that's the thing that's been concerning me is that, um, I mean, as you said, you talk about the teams that have kind of have uh, some of those goal scoring tallies when they're breaking people down and how Schalke is more on the bottom end of that table um, rather than the top, despite being in the top end of the table itself for most of the season it seems like it's kind of unsustainable right for us to kind of keep um ourselves in a european position if that sort of goal scoring ability that a lot of other teams in that area have is lacking for us so i'm, I'm just kind of interested to see how that plays out I'm, I'm i'm kind of worried about it to be honest
2: yeah for sure you know the form's not been great right like the the, the standing it's now it's sort of you know um five points in the last six games and 15th in the table, uh in, in that particular and I think uh, I, I looked at this at, at the time and um, ever since sort of the 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 4-4 victory uh, <laughs> against Dortmund, um, it's been it's been kind of a, a struggle for Schalke. I think you guys actually mentioned this on one of the podcasts uh um, earlier but uh their their numbers don't don't look particularly great and you know and not in ter- you know in terms of points as 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 well uh but but you know it's 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 been i think i think 10 points in, in nine games so that's like cologne have 11 points over the over that's you know so that's not that's not great um i mean you really and 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 it's not really like the underlying numbers and, and those kind of things like advanced stats uh don't really, you know, don't really say anything anything better because they're basically like a, a net zero team. You know, so so they're about, you know, so they're they're kind of about and actually, I think they're actually like negative slightly by a half expected goal. So uh it's not been that great. And I think they have a negative goal difference. So um quietly there's been some issues there. And you know this could just be a lot like the league adjusting. This could be you know form, this could be injuries, this could be a lot of things that I'd have to go deeper into that. But uh you know, so um, I, I would probably share your concerns about uh, the future and, and Europe as well.
0: Since we're talking about attack, um, let's address the elephant in the room, if you will, Franco Di Santo. <laughs> so Jack and I look at him with very different pair of eyes. Uh, we think Di Santo brings nothing to this attack, while you, though, see it another way. Uh, what do you think Di Santo brings, uh, in your opinion, that we don't see as an outsider looking in?
1: So one caveat real quick before Alba mentioned, I, I, the thing I have given him credit for is his, his pressing game, which oh, I yeah. think he's very useful in. But in terms of what he's actually doing um, to help us you know, set up and, and finish goals, I think he just is basically non-existent
2: yeah I mean, this is gonna be interesting where I think I have to play the role of defending Franco de Santo, which is which is like if, <laughs> there's if one people of have like yeah people have like been reading my twitter like I'm actually blocked by him on Twitter because I think I made fun of him at some point or <laughs> ten times or hundred times no, I think he's he's one of those guys that like he can be a really easy target for jokes and if you don't like I think for me, I've actually gone to appreciate his game over the last this season for sure because first of all, like there's very few people who work harder than him. Um, there's very few forwards who have sort of the physical abilities. Like he can just shrug off guys. He can press until like he, you know, tires out and, um, he can run on end and he's, he's actually got really good pace and, and, and burst, um, and actually makes intelligent runs. Like, um, I think the, for, for the, for the goal in, in, in the Bayern match, uh, uh, I thought that was really interesting because it's essentially, um, I think it's like a four V three situation for, for, for Schalke, Um, and, and then he, he makes this run sort of outside left kind of curling and he will kind of take himself out. He will, he will, I think he'll be the one ending, ending up with the cross, which then gets kind of looped back in and then Goretzka will try like the sort of you know half volley and then DeSanto will be on there but it's but it's Kimish completely loses him because Kimmich has no idea who to track so he 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 presents a lot of like like in basketball you talk about matchup problems like i think DeSanto is definitely a matchup problem because he's way stronger and way more physical than a lot of guys and he actually has good technical ability um his his problem is that like you know, unless you're like watching film on him like he and this is this is the mistakes that I used to make is that like he is a very easy w- villain because he messes up chances really easily. And, you know, he goes like months without scoring and, you know, you can say, like, oh, well, he's useless and whatever. But but no, like he's actually really, really useful for for, for And, um, you know, as you as you saw against Byron, he can actually put away chances.
1: Yeah, I think the interesting thing there. I mean, I, like I said, I, I agree with you in terms of some of his his off the ball work, um, especially in the pressing game. Like you said, with you know his work rate, he definitely works very hard when he's employed in that position, and I and I you know I respect that about him. I think the issue is just you know this is his what his third season maybe for Schalke, and I think he scored some like five Bundesliga goals that entire time, and I I, I just feel like at some point. Um, even if there is stuff that he's doing, you know, outside of finishing chances, like, he just has to have more production. You can't afford to have somebody up there who isn't contributing to our overall numbers, um, you know, especially when we're, we're struggling in that area as it is. I don't know. That, that's how I feel about it.
2: No, like, I agree with you there, but but it's but it's like, you know, I think that's sort of the wrong expectation to have of him. Like, I know that, you know, we are supposed to score goals, but, like, I think Yusuf Paulson is, is a nice sort of... Um, Comp, comp for him because he's a the, the sort of defensive forward and uh that that really works a lot and, and wins a lot of se- second balls and the Bundesliga is a lot about challenges and, and you know winning second balls and pressing and i think like y- y- i think that part is is so much harder to to measure and track and 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 it, it's not it's not as visible whereas you know oh like he hasn't scored the goal or whatever you know now so so, so i definitely you know and it's like DeSanto has had a, you know, I think he basically had like one goal scoring season, which was, I think, 14, 15 again for Bremen, where I think he put in like 15 or 13 goals or something like that. Right, exactly. But uh, he's kind of struggled everywhere before. And right? he was at Chelsea and then, you know, he was a huge flop there. And he's he's very easy to 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 kind of target. And, and like you know, like I, you're talking to a guy who's been killing him for the better part of two three years. So <laughs> I'm in this uncomfortable position, but I actually have grown to appreciate Franco DeSanto.
1: Okay. Okay, fair enough. <laughs>
0: um so let's get off the DeSanto of rant cuz we could be here all day talking about that. Um what do you think what what has Tedesco brought? I mean, we we obviously know as fans, but from the outside looking in, what is in your eyes, what has Tedesco brought that Schalke needed? I mean, obviously stability, brought a little bit of compact and defense. Um but what have you seen that that Tedesco is bringing to the table that that's helped Schalke become a European challenger once again?
2: Yeah, I mean, you mentioned those things, right? Like we we, we mentioned the the counter pressing, that the pressing. I mean, the, the the Bayern game is an example that like it's like I think Christoph Metzelder mentioned this on the on the air um, during the Skype the broadcast, where it's like you know Tedesco's trying to figure out if it's possible to press for ninety minutes, <laughs> and, it, <laughs> and it definitely looked like it was it was it was possible, or yeah, you know, like they did well. it did was it was an insane performance from from that end, and uh, and I think part of that, like the, the underlying um, supporting thing for that, is is just how much buy-in he has from his players. I mean, they they love the guy, and right. just because, like, if you if you read sort of the German um, newspapers from, I think it was really early on, where like he it was after a match they lost, and you know, like. He was like, "Okay, training tomorrow or whatever," and then everybody got ready to to. It was like run the stairs or something, right? And, right? and he he got them ready to. And then you know, instead of running the stairs, he had like a hamburger party for them. So it's like these kind of things <laughs> where where um you know like
0: I know a lot of it's this, like Claudio uh, Ranieri. Claudio Ranieri did the same thing yeah, Western yeah, City. the pizza, yeah,
2: yeah, right, right. So, but but uh, I think the the guys at Shvirofanagram did an interview with him, and and it seems like he's really really. Um, good at sort of the man management part of it, which is typically not associated with sort of the, the young tactically astute coaches though that, that seems to be a rap that they, that the bad rap that they get. And I think Nagelsmann and, and Tedesco are, 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 are um, the opposites of this where they, they tend to be really, really good at, uh, Getting a lot out of their players. I mean, it must—it couldn't have been easy to to get, you know, Max Meyer to agree to to be a deploying playmaker, or you know, like you think of the way how he handled Herbertus. I mean, this, is anybody missing Herbertus at Schalke right now? Like,
1: not not yeah. as much as I expected I would for sure. I mean, yeah, you're right about that.
2: Yeah, now those yeah. five goals helps a lot. Yeah, I mean Naldo, right. I mean, but but like Naldo was was wasn't wasn't great last year, certainly no, the beginning of the, no, the, it the last year. I mean, you, you look at like what happened to Stambuli. I mean, Stambouli was a, a pretty below average defensive midfielder. Now he's actually like an awesome ball-playing center back. Um, I mean, he like he like I think the way I described it is that he's really good at sort of, you know, getting all like making a nice meal out of, you know, very kind of limited ingredients. I mean, Kona Pianca is is another guy that really frustrates me because he, to me, is like, it's like, it's like Yar Malenko at Dortmund where like he's supposed to have like all this pedigree and all this individual ability, but like, he annoys me just because he makes bad decisions, and you know. But but Tedesco has somehow found the use for him, where you know other Schalke coaches weren't able to do that. Um, I mean, Burkhartler has become a goal scorer. Uh, Burkhartler has become a really good dribbler and hold up player. Um, you know, Desanto is another guy that like looks like he's he's a Bundesliga player. I mean, you go up and down the, the, the lineup. Uh, yeah, whether it's integrating McKinney I mean, uh, or Kali Jury, Kali Jury is probably the other one where like. Uh, I mean, I was really wrong on him where it's like, why the hell is he going to, to Shaka? Like, he's probably just to collect a paycheck. And and he's been awesome for you guys. Yeah.
0: Oh,
1: yeah. Both of us were really surprised with him, too. We talked about that in our Hinrundo Award, uh, Award podcast where he yeah. was probably one of the biggest surprises for us in the first half of the season. He's been great.
2: Yeah, I mean, um, I I think I voted him to, like, second or third-team all Bundesliga, and, like, he gets kind of caught up in defensive lapses sometimes, but, like, he's also, like, against Bayern, he was playing, like, left left wing-back, so he's really versatile. Like, he can even tuck inside, like, um, I, I was really surprised at him because he looked like I actually watched the Wolfsburg team that he was on because they were in the Champions League run or whatever. And Schirle and it was a, a, like, and he looked completely disinterested. So to, to get that much out of them. And, and it's like, you know, the best in, investment you can make in the Bundesliga as, as a coach, because you just turn all these players who, you know, who, who, who um, come from you know, limited backgrounds or or poor fits elsewhere and you, you turn them into awesome players and, and challenge for the Champions League. I mean that that's that's a really good accomplishment. So I mean like I think the, the 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 final way to answer this question is like I can't even really think of a player who's gotten worse under Tedesco. Or is there anybody who's like gotten marginalized? Maybe Bentaleb?
1: Bentaleb yeah. I'd say. He he's had some <clears throat> injury trouble as as well though, which I yeah. think is maybe part of the problem. But no I think that's I think that's a, a good shout. I mean yeah th- th- he's taken a lot of players um, I mean, as you mentioned, Max Meyer um, and and Stan Buley, but Meyer in particular, who who had kind of faded under previous regimes, Vineskiller, you know, whatever, and, and reinvented them and gotten them to buy in into into new positions and kind of redouble their efforts. And there's been a lot of players that have uh, certainly improved and become more important contributors that maybe we hadn't expected would be the case going into this season. So, um, how do you? I mean, we've kind of talked, you know, in depth about Shaka on a more, uh, you know, macro basis. How do you what are your predictions for the rest of the season? How do you see um, the top half playing out? Um, You know, where do you think Shaka goes from here? Where do you think they finish at the end of the year?
2: very tough to we tough to see because I'd have to like look at the, the schedule like I, I think um, there's there's a couple so like the biggest problem with the Bundesliga is that you know there's just like 11 teams that are <laughs> that are basically like in a couple could, be, points. <laughs> could be in yeah could be in Europe um I kind of think you can sort of discredit Hanover Gladbach, uh, I probably would rule out Hertha as well. So although they've been they've been coming on as of late, um, and um, so so if you if you get rid of those and it's still sort of eight teams uh, into into sort of seven seven spots, right? Um, depending on how the DFB pokal goes, and Hoffenheim um, look promising, but it but it could just be against Mainz, who 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 are really terrible, um, sadly. Uh, so, so the the Schalke Hoffenheim match uh, next week is going to be, I think, a, a huge one because uh, you know if if Schalke can, can pull that one off, I think I think they would be in a really good position to to fight for um, I would say probably the the the, the three four five six. Um, I actually think Frankfurt are going to stay around. Um, I think Leipzig and Dortmund, uh, even though I think Dortmund haven't been good. Um, supposedly undefeated and under Stoger. but uh, I think they're going to stick around just because they've got people coming back. Uh, Frankfurt, I'm, I'm pretty high on. It. I wrote a huge piece on them and uh, they've got a bunch of guys coming back from injury and um yeah, they're they and their cup match is not for another two months. So so um, and their and their schedule actually is, is, is not too bad. I think I think they're playing Leipzig on the Monday matchup. So that's going to be a really really interesting one. So um, I would watch out for Augsburg. That that's a that's a sneaky team that that's been that has been really good. I think. Um, Manuel Baum is doing a lot of the things similarly to 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 previous coaches that succeeded in terms of the counterattacking, and and you know Philip Marx is somebody that you guys let go at Schalke, um, so so that that's an interesting team. But I think overall for Schalke, uh, the next two weeks are going to be huge because then you're traveling to Leverkusen. So yeah. if you if you don't lose to those two games, I think you got a really good shot. I actually could see Leverkusen dropping a little bit because it's so uh, Leon Bailey based. Uh, I mean, I saw their their game against Hertha and um, they looked really tired. There were a lot of individual mistakes by by guys who are usually solid, like, like Yonatan know, Ta and, and others. And, and Bailey was rested a little bit. And, um, you know, he, he's had an insane 20 game run. But I think at some point that's going to that's going to regress a little bit. So I would I, if I would have to guess that I would probably I would probably say um, Schalke are going to be either fourth or fifth. Um, and and I think a lot of that depends on what they get out of these next two games against uh, Hoffenheim at home and, and Leverkusen away
0: no, that's, that's hey, if you told us to begin the season, we would be finishing fourth or fifth. I think oh, we'd yeah. take it. But as the, and as the season's gone on, we're, now we're looking at, you know, we want Champions League, but, uh, hey, anything in Europe, I think will be good. We obviously want Champions League, but, well, you know, we'll take what we can get. Um, who have you, who's been your recent surprises, your big surprises for the Bundesliga this year? Um, obviously Leon Bailey with his emergence and Bayer, Bayer Leverkusen beating back. Eintracht Frankfurt, they're having a fantastic season. Uh, who do you, who, who's your surprise for this season?
2: Uh, I mean, Augsburg is, is the one that I, I actually like. Yeah. You know, I, I picked them last, so uh, I think so did like ninety nine percent of other people. But um, and I and I wrote a, a huge piece on them sort of early September, and 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 then they kind of um, you know regressed a little bit. But now they seem to be coming up again, and, and it's really interesting because um, they're doing it now with without him Bokasson, who, who who's is supposedly out for like another six weeks. So that's going to be really tough. And, but him and Gregorius to have 20 goals. And then you have like, you know, Philip Max has like 11 assists and he's like bombing in just, uh, you know, crosses. And, and, and like, he's, he's so far ahead of everybody in the, the box passes. So he's a really, he's a really interesting guy. Um, and I think he's gonna, he's gonna go to England like really, really soon. So if he ends up on like, you know, Brighton or, or Crystal Palace, like don't be really surprised or even maybe a better team. Um, so they're, they're one for sure. Um, I I kind of like Freiburg as well. Like they've they've done an awesome job um, with with Christian Schiex, just considering where they were. Uh, and there's a lot of disappointing teams, but uh, but yeah, I mean those would be the surprising ones. Uh, I mean Leverkusen uh, are surprising to me, but but uh, but it's mostly but but you know in Frankfurt I've written about. So so that would be that would be the ones. It's 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 a really crazy year. Like it's basically you know any team from like yeah, the I would I would say so close. like I would say like from two to about like I wouldn't count like I, I guess like from two to twelve, like I've probably put Freiburg in this category. Um they would they you, you could convince me that like they could, you know, like if they win like or if like two other things happen and if they won like two games and like they could be in Europe.
0: <laughs> it's crazy.
1: Yeah, and I think I mean when people criticize the Bundesliga to some extent because Bayern Munich is running away with the title consistently, um I mean it doesn't mean that it's not exciting in other places because as you said, I mean the table is so tight this season. Um I mean fourth through what? Fourth through 11 right now is a 6-point gap. <laughs> I mean I mean like so many things can shift so quickly. I mean Schalke's down into sixth place now and they were, you know, second to start off second half of the year. So, I mean, yeah, the ground is constantly, constantly moving. And, uh, you know, any one of these teams, if they string a couple of results together, could find themselves in a European place.
2: Yeah. Or if they like fired the coach earlier, like I think Bremen is a good example. Like what if they fired like Nuri, like after five games and, you know, where would they be? Like you could, you could, you could make a good case that they're, you know, they'd be challenging for, for like those, those seven, eight, nine spots. And, you know, um, there's, there's other stuff as well where, you know, um did Stuttgart wait too long to 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 stick with Hannes Wolf and, and whatnot? I mean, uh and then I really like there's there's really a, you, could, you know, I think for up until a couple of weeks ago you could have said the same thing about Stoger and Kohn, but but you know, now they've now they've seemed to Crashed back to, to Earth a little bit now. And, and it was really like, there's not, a, there's only like a couple of, of teams that look pretty, pretty abject. And I think a lot of it is like Köln and where there could just be because of the terrible starts. But I think other than them and Mainz, like Mainz and Hamburg, like there's, there's not really any like bad teams. I mean, if you remember sort of, Historically, like there'd be some really bad teams, whether it's like the, the Paderborns or like even I think Darstadt that one year or like Hanover, uh, the one year. So you'd have, and it doesn't seem like that one with, especially with Stuttgart and, and, and Hanover coming in and, and playing, playing pretty, pretty well and, and giving, you know, giving a lot of the teams, teams trouble. And, um, you know, that, that's, I think, uh, it makes for a fascinating season, even though like, it sort of doesn't matter in terms of the championship but um, if you're a Bundesliga fan like and you're watching and then there's, there's really good games on every, every every week like so if you're yeah, if
0: yeah, you're totally. into wow well I feel like we could talk forever on this and talk with you Abel because you're, you're a plethora of information this is great um, but I think we'll wrap it up there just uh, because I know time is tight uh keep tuning in each week as we'll bring you the latest from the royal blues we want to thank abo uh, for joining us today we certainly learned a lot um I, I thank you from the bottom of our hearts we really appreciate you coming on
2: uh, thanks for having me and uh you know i, I enjoy the show i've uh, i usually listen to it um more or less every week when i can and uh, i think it's it's great that what you guys are doing and, uh, and i kind of hope that uh more uh, more teams uh have english podcasts i know there's a few out there um but uh i, I try to i try to you know i'm a, a big podcast consumer so and i try to consume them and so and i can be on them so um it's my pleasure guys
1: hey thank you very much really appreciate
2: it
0: if our listeners want to follow you on twitter where can they reach you at
2: oh yeah so yeah uh, I, you can find me on twitter at bundespl um and you can you can read my work on the Bundesliga fanatic, um, and then you know uh, I guess uh, ESDF analysis sometimes and uh yeah there's there's a couple other ones, but those are those are the main ones uh, you know, so that's that's pretty much it. Uh, Talking Foosball is the podcast where where I, where I do the, the the audio stuff with with Matt. so if you're if you're into sort of regular Bundesliga that's uh, and, and more extensive coverage and, and interviews and stuff that that would be that would be somewhere you could you could go.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And I, I, I echo that from the bottom of my heart. I mean, I, I've been listening to Talking Foosball for a number of years, especially when I really started getting heavy into the Bundesliga. It's uh, fantastic content. So definitely go and give that a listen.
0: Yeah, um, absolutely. No, And uh, is there any, any articles you're working on that you'd like to plug? I, I know you said you mentioned maybe uh, writing about the top spiel between uh, Bayern and Schalke.
2: Yeah, I, I actually am working on, on, on that. I, I don't I don't know uh where it's gonna be released. Uh I'll have to have to figure that out and uh, but other than that, uh I'm not working on, on other stuff. I've uh, I might might do something longer, sort of towards um, the the um, the end of the season. Um, but uh, you know, I'm always keeping an eye on uh, for. There's I'm working on some longer term projects as well. So, um, so so we'll see. But but right now, that's that, that's that's pretty much it. I, I usually um, usually try to think of some other things to 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 work on. But uh, yeah, can't can't really plug anything else.
0: <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's awesome, man. All right. Well, Shaka fans, if there are any topics you would like us to discuss, send us a tweet at SO4 underscore podcast on Twitter. Jack, where can our followers
1: find you on Twitter? J.M. Mangan, J-M-M-A-N-G-A-N on the Twitter machine.
0: Right on. And once again, I am your host, Richard Carman, and you can find me at R underscore K-H-A-R-M-A-N. Until the next pod comes, my friends, stay ready, and we'll be with you soon. Tschüss.